Welcome back to Core Conversations, a CoreLogic podcast, where we dive into the heart of what makes the property market tick. I'm May Claire Bolton-Smith, your host and curious observer of all things related to property, from affordable housing to market trends, to the impacts of natural disasters to climate change. I want to converse about it all. Although the saying, nothing is certain but death and taxes, is a bit cynical, it's true. While we may all dislike paying taxes, I think it's worth taking a step back and examining why we have them in the first place. And while there are many types of taxes, today we're going to take a look at property taxes. Real estate property tax payments are a critical component of funding local, state, and federal budgetary and infrastructure needs. Increases and decreases in tax payment delinquency rates are often early indicators of further economic change. In fact, property taxes are indicative of homeownership rates, which in turn corresponds to the overall health of the economy. Keeping track of all the homeowners in the U.S. and the status of their property tax payments is no small feat. In the U.S., there are over 20,000 servicing agencies, and each state has its own payment cadence and property assessment protocols. In addition to collecting payments, servicers also need to prevent homeowners from becoming delinquent on their payments. To do that, they need data. And CoreLogic helps with this, processing $151 billion in property taxes for 40 million mortgages but there's still plenty of analysis left to be done once the bill is paid. So to help us understand the importance of looking at property tax payments through a historical lens and how it can help us understand the overall health of different geographical areas of our nation, we have CoreLogic Senior Leader of Government Solutions, John Gilberti. John, welcome to Core Conversations. Great, thank you, uh, happy to be here. All right, so to get us started today, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your role here at CoreLogic? Sure, my background is pretty unique. So I've worked with CoreLogic for over 30 years. Oh, wow. Most of, most of my time in, in the operations, actually making those property tax payments on behalf of mortgage servicers across the country. And most recently, I work in the product group now working with municipalities on perfecting ways to uh, have more efficiency in making those property tax payments. Wow, well, that you are the right person for us to talk with today. So let's set the stage for our listeners. We know that taxes have been a hot topic since the country began under the shadow of the Boston Tea Party, but specifically, why do we care about property taxes and whether the bill is paid? Yeah, as you mentioned earlier, property tax is kind of the majority of the funding that goes to local municipalities and school districts mm -hmm. um, for operations. So I guess when we take a step back and look at property taxes specifically, not everyone pays the same way, right? Um, I know when we bought our house, we had the option of did we want to pay our property taxes through escrow or did we want to pay them just independently on their own? So can you talk a little bit about the different ways that people can pay their property taxes? Sure. A majority of the folks actually opt to pay their property tax through, through an escrow account. Okay where they'll actually be paying, as they pay their mortgage payment monthly, they'll be paying a portion, one-twelfth of their property tax included in that mortgage. And then one of the things that CoreLogic assists the servicers with is when those taxes become due, we report those taxes and assist with the disbursement and payment of those taxes to their local municipalities. Okay. So just kind of having an option of paying it in little chunks throughout the year versus all at once or into two payments is, is how it's done here in California where I live. Um, we probably should quickly just define escrow for our listeners as well in case people aren't familiar with that term. Yeah, escrow is actually an account that's set up um, for the borrowers so that they can 
uh, put that money in 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 monthly payments, mm-hmm. and then when taxes and sometimes they also escrow for insurance become due, that money is available uh, to make the payment um, by the servicer. Perfect. So it kind of kind of guarantees that the taxes that the money's there and the taxes will get paid. Got it. Thanks for that. So I guess the other thing I want to talk a little bit about is property taxes aren't the same across the country. Um, I I mean, there are people that will move states to find favorable taxes. Um, so can we talk a little bit about this? I, I know I live in California. Um, I have friends that live on the East Coast and they talk about how high their property taxes are. Can you explain a little bit about how the states approach the process differently and, and how it affects the tax cycle? Sure. I mean, I mean, there's a number of dimensions that go into the property tax amount. So really starts, it starts uh, before the tax bills come out, there's uh, there's generally an appraisal or a, an assessment done on the property at some frequency. Um, and then independent of that, um, local towns, municipalities, and school districts do their budgets. Okay. And then in between the two, there's an auditor that comes in and actually sets the tax rate. So you really have uh, three components. You have the municipality's budget, you have the values of the properties, both residential and commercial, coming in, and then you have the tax rate. So this way, it ensures municipalities will have the funding to meet their budgetary needs and uh, create that sustainable life uh, in the community. So okay, and you specifically, John, you're located in Texas. I'm in California. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about how the two are different. Yeah, yeah. So, in, so in the state of Texas, our property taxes are due once a year. Annually, um, there are some options for um, um, senior citizens to pay it in quarterly, but typically they're they are due on January 31st. Um, and Texas, you know, we are experiencing a high amount of growth here. A lot of uh, still a lot of new construction going on. Interesting. Um, states like states like California, you've got your two installments, so you're kind of, and that's pretty much the norm across the country. Yeah. You see, when we look across the country, the average is. Uh, two installments for most municipalities. And then we go up to the Northeast and we have states like New Jersey and Connecticut um, that have four installments that they're actually paying the property taxes. And in those states, some of those taxes are relatively high, so it makes it a little bit easier. Wow, that that's interesting. I hadn't realized I in California it's two. I hadn't realized that there were places that it's for. Are are there advantages to having multiple payments? I mean, two or four payments versus one, um, other than you don't have to pay a huge amount of money all at one time. Are there advantages? Yeah, yeah. I I think there's some advantages to the municipality because they get a the general flow of money coming in mm. throughout the year. Sure, yeah. So that helps, but also with that, when we talk to collectors who have foreign installments, they're always in tax cycle. So they're always either sure. winding down one or gearing up for another one. Um, so, I mean, a case could be made for both cases. You know, in Texas, you get your money at the beginning of the year, and then the municipality uh, has got that to spend and manage throughout the year, whereas New Jersey, they're getting it quarterly. Sure, right. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. I hadn't realized that that some states did it quarterly. Um, I Honestly, I... I'm not originally from this country and I've only lived in California in the U.S. So to me, you pay them twice a year. That's how it works. So I hadn't actually realized that it was different across the country, too. So that's an interesting perspective. Thank you for adding that. Um, okay, circling back a little bit, when when I started uh, the conversation, I did mention that CoreLogic processes 40 million mortgages last year alone. Um, can you give an idea of the scale at which property taxes are processed here in the U.S.? 
Yeah, and, and I think you kind of alluded to some of the dollar figures that uh, you know we are processing with with those forty million loans, an average of two uh, reporting events a year, and in excess of one hundred forty eight billion dollars property wow. taxes that we're emitting across the country to twenty thousand. Uh, municipalities and about 3,000 different counties. Wow. That's that's a lot of data. That's a lot of homeowners. Um, I would imagine, too, that compliance is a big issue. I guess, how do the servicers work through their portfolios and, and ensure that compliance is happening, that people are paying? Like, how, how does that work? Yeah, there, there's two things that come to mind. Number one is that um, CoreLogic assists the servicers in, in keeping track of uh, not only when the taxes are due, but if there are any relative discounts that are available to make sure that the consumer is getting the best uh, uh, best payment option um, that's favorable. Okay. Um, so we have to keep on we have to keep in touch with that. And then on the back end, um, for particularly, and we didn't really touch on the non escrow, but on a non escrow account, the borrower is responsible for making the tax payments. So we do monitoring on behalf okay. of the servicers after the taxes have become delinquent to check to make sure they've been paid. And then we work with servicers to do some follow-up services with those borrowers um, to ensure those taxes get paid before there's any uh, risk of uh, losing that collateral. So uh, that's interesting. I want to dive into that a little bit. And there's there's kind of two things I want to go into the direction of. I want to talk a little bit about delinquencies. Um, we see... I mean, with the pandemic, we've we've seen we've talked a lot on this podcast about how many mortgages have gone into forbearance. Um, I assume that delinquencies have been an issue as well. Do we have any idea of you know, independent of the pandemic, the percentage of people who do tend to go delinquent on their their tax payments, and then in the context of the pandemic specifically, did we see an increase? Yeah, so so CoreLogic just completed uh, a study ah. taking a look uh, back to 2011, and I think we it, the average delinquency rate was 6.2 percent. Okay, that we saw, and uh, when the pandemic hit, in the beginning, most of that money in escrow was already collected for a lot of the tax cycles, so that alleviated some delinquencies on the on the escrow side, and then a lot of municipalities did some short term um, extensions um, okay. to allow homeowners to to pay without a penalty for, for a short period of time. Uh, and that helped curb some delinquencies. Okay. Um, the other thing we did see is a high amount of electronic and online payments through the pandemic. So mm. um, so that actually kicked up quite a bit from where, where it was um, prior to uh, the pandemic. Okay, you mentioned penalty. So I, I want to talk a little bit about this, but I, what happens when someone doesn't pay their taxes? I assume, I mean, I'm always paranoid about it's due on this day, I have to pay or I'll get in trouble. But what what happens if you don't pay your, your property taxes? Is it just you get hit with a penalty and you have to pay extra interest or, or how does it work? Yeah, there's typically, um, pretty much all the municipalities have a a penalty and interest uh, program. So once they go delinquent, penalty and interest uh, gets tacked on. And some states it's per diem, some states mm. it's per annum. So it just okay. depends on where you are. And then ultimately, there is kind of an end date where in many states, the um, municipality will actually um, have a lien sale and actually oh. look for investors to come in and buy, pay those taxes. And on behalf of paying those taxes, they get a lien certificate, which 
typically the homeowners and have a period of anywhere from one to two to three years to mm-hmm. uh, redeem their property uh, with that investor. So that investor gets obviously taking on some of the interest payments and then the municipalities are made whole. So so that, that's primarily what the penalty is in, in most states. Interesting. Yeah. And I have heard of that as a, a real estate investment tactic that, that people do and as well. So that's that's interesting that that's the direction that it can go in some states. Um, if we look at, you know, across the country, are there certain states that are tend to be more delinquent than others? Yeah, I think our studies showed um, a couple of states that I can talk about. Um, Mississippi mm-hmm. was one state that had a high amount of delinquency. And when we looked at Mississippi, it seemed like the interest rate was very low, the penalty. So that could be one, oh, one reason one reason that people, they, you know, they think they could pay late and it's not costing them that much more. Um, other states, I think we looked at, um, dealt with some collecting entities that collect not only property tax, but water and sewer. Hmm. Um, so we also saw that as another uh, they were collecting more than one. And when, when CoreLogic looks at delinquencies um, from a collection standpoint, we'll look at anything that's lienable. And in those states uh, uh, like Massachusetts, like Virginia, um, those uh, water and sewer taxes are collected by the same municipality and would uh, have a tax lien with them. So, Interesting. Interesting. So weren't there two, didn't I hear that during the pandemic that some states tried to help alleviate the burden of property taxes specifically because of the, the impact the pandemic was having? Yeah. And I think it, the pandemic um, first, and then I think there's there's been a general um, worry at the state level about just the rising values of property sure. and how that will turn into rising property taxes. So um CoreLogic's actually worked with the state of Colorado in uh, just recently completing a, a study looking at um, a deferment plan that the state's looking to offer up, um, you know, a, as relief um, for homeowners who would need it, primarily short-term relief. So. so I guess when we look at some of the states that have done, had some sort of measures in place to help alleviate some of the impacts. Uh, do we see that in the data? Do we see that if there are measures available, that there are potentially more delinquencies? Um, we don't see that in, in the data because what we do is we identify, for the most part, CoreLogic will will identify what we call payment plans. Ah, okay. So that we'll, we'll actually work with municipalities to identify, even though they are um, legally in many states like the state of Texas, they are still deemed delinquent. Um, we often report the payment plans to the servicers, and typically, as long as those payment plans are what we call in good standing, where okay. uh, homeowners are making their payments, then most of the servicers are are good with that. Okay. And what do do we think we're going to continue to see any ripples from any deferral that happened during the pandemic as we move further into 2022 and beyond? Well, I think I think we're we're in interesting times, uh, yeah. you know, especially with a lot of the economic activities. So so one of the things I think it's it's real important, I think uh, CoreLogic is just going to take a close look and monitoring these delinquencies going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think over time, we're probably going to see similar patterns than what we saw over the last um, you know 10 to 11 years. But again, uh, we're kind of in unprecedented time. So we're going to we're going to monitor a little bit closely. And, uh, you know, hopefully this will 
we'll have more reports out uh, in the future to, to give more insights. And I think everyone is wondering if we're ever not going to be in unprecedented times at this stage, because this just continues to, to continue it's to move. norm. Exactly. So, yeah. okay, I want to dive a little bit more into the report that you mentioned that CoreLogic, the study CoreLogic did recently, and you did mention that the average national property tax delinquency rate between 2011 and 2021 in a 10-year period was 6.2%. Is that a rate we would expect to see? Or what is driving this number if it's unusual? No, I think when we look over a period of time, that seems to be um, the norm when it gets to delinquencies. And and obviously, there's some correlation to delinquent taxes and delinquent mortgage payments. And I think the you know, the underlying um, data shows that people are more apt to pay their mortgage first mm. and then, then their property tax, if you believe that, because they don't understand all of the sure. um, risk behind that. So typically that's what we, we kind of see. So it's it's definitely an indicator. Um, and, you know, again, it's something that we'll have to continue to monitor in the future. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I, I think it's pretty well known that if you don't pay your mortgage, you will lose your house, but may not be the same perspective of the, your property taxes that it can have that same impact. But it's, you know, people may think, well, I'm paying my mortgage, it's I'm fine. So yeah, it's an interesting, interesting perspective. Um, okay, I want to dive in a little bit something too. Um, there's an, another study that we've looked into here in the Library of Congress found that there's a correlation between real estate speculation and tax payment delinquency. And the National Tax Association has said delinquency is an inevitable byproduct of deflation. So I'm curious if the higher rates of property tax delinquency in the early 2010s reflect the real estate bubble bursting during the Great Recession. I mean, that, that's absolutely true. So I, I think that that was one, uh, you know, one big contributing factor to that. And then, you know, as we look at investors now in the market, um, you know, I think a lot of them understand the risk, understand, uh, they understand the property tax mm. aspects of it. So um, I think, uh, I think going through what we went through in that great recession, I think there was also a, a great, uh, a lot of legislation that changed to, to help our industry. Sure, yeah. And I think there's also been a lot of education so I think the investors that are jumping in now are, are a little bit more more poised to understand the, the property tax dimensions and, and the importance of making sure that those taxes get paid and the risk associated if you don't. Okay, that that's really helpful and really interesting. And, and I, I mean, we've heard about the impact the Great Recession had on just real estate in general. So I think that's an interesting perspective to have from property tax as well, too. So thank you for that. Um, okay, I one last question here. Um, as we wrap up, I, I want to go back to the delinquency report that you've talked about. And how are servicers who are collecting the property taxes how can they use the information? How can they take this report that CoreLogic has produced? What what does it mean for them and how can they use it? You know, right off the bat, what, what the obvious use would be to take a look at where they're doing their lending practices and take a mm -hmm. look at those states that are more, more prone to higher delinquent property taxes and maybe uh, look at that as they make decisions on, on whether they set up escrow accounts or non-escrow accounts in those states. Okay. Thank you, John. That was so interesting. And I learned a lot. I hope others learned a lot as well. So thank you for joining me today on Core Conversations, a CoreLogic podcast. 
Great. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Please remember to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to be notified when new episodes are released. And thanks to the team for helping bring this podcast to life. Producer Jesse Devenins, editor and sound engineer Romeo Roman, and social media duo of Sarah Buck and Michaela Brooks. Tune in next time for another core conversation.